managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there, and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it, and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. I'm Mike Vardy, and this is the Productivityist Podcast.
Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vardy, and I'm really excited for this week's episode of the show because Ryder Carroll, the creator of the Bullet Journal and the author of the book, The Bullet Journal Method, is joining me on the show today. We talk about the how behind the bullet journal. Not the how to do it, but the how it came to be. We talk about the deepening of the method. We talk about patience. We talk about expectations. We even dive a little bit into intentionality. And he actually did a TED talk at intentionality. We didn't get into that too much, but I'll link to that in the show notes. Such a great conversation. I am stoked to be able to speak with Ryder once again, because the last time I spoke to him was in a former podcasting life. So Sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Ryder Carroll of The Bullet Journal, the creator of The Bullet Journal, here on The Productivityist Podcast. I'd like to welcome Ryder Carroll to The Productivityist Podcast. Ryder, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So I am holding in my hands the culmination of years' worth of work because, I mean, you are the creator of The Bullet Journal Method, but, but, but beyond that, you are the author of The Bullet Journal Method, which is a book that it, it, it doesn't just go into the the how-to bullet journal, which, you know, and we talked about this just before we jumped on the air. That's not going to be something that we're going to dive into too much. Besides, we've talked about that before, and there's plenty of resources online, more more suitable than, you know, listening uh, to, to kind of go through this. And there's actually a resource that I'm holding, which will explain it, called the Bullet Journal Method book. Uh, track the past, order the present, and design the future. And when I got this in the mail, I was thrilled because I love getting books in the mail. Don't get me wrong. All, all books are great. But this one, it was just like the, yes, this this seemed like the next thing for you. This seemed like, okay, you know, kind of like uh, you know, David Allen's getting things done. You, you, you know, I mean, only inverse, because I think getting things done you know, uh, was popularized well before the internet was, you know, a thing. And then he had a book to describe how to do the thing, as, but not just how, but the why. And I want to kind of start off our conversation by, um, can you go over the journey to this moment as the book is about to be released? I know we try to go a bit timeless, but we're talking October 2018, because you and I talked when this thing was just getting started, right? Yeah. So, I mean... I guess you'd have to go way back to, to kind of understand the timeline from from my point of view or where, where it, it makes sense to me, essentially. Like originally, I created the bullet journal over decades, right? And it is the accumulation of all the different productivity hacks that I invented to help myself because I had a lot of struggles with focus and and attention and those kind of things so all the tools that i was creating and iterating on were designed to help what i considered to be like a faulty mind right these were like my, my, my psychological crutches so it never occurred to me to share it right and like the, the, <laughs> you don't really want to broadcast your your disabilities or at least you know when i was growing up that was not something that people wanted to do or, or particularly encouraged uh it wasn't until later on when i saw a friend of mine who was struggling to to basically organize her wedding for lack of a better right and she was really frantic and like posted notes and notebooks and all sorts of things and I was like, hey, you know, if you want to, I can show you how I organize myself because I know what it's like to feel frantic. 
And to like my horror, she took me up on the offer. <laughs> I like walked her through this thing. And like when I was done explaining it to her, like her jaw was just hanging open. And I was like, oh no, she thinks I'm completely crazy. And the first thing she says is you have to share this with people. And that was like the first time where like the switch flipped, right? Where I'm like, oh, maybe this isn't only helpful to me. And then years later, after I had shown it to a couple of other people, I'm like, you know what? My, why don't I just make this public? Because I feel like even if it helps like a couple people, then why not? Then it's worth it, right? It, I never had really big ambitions or expectations for it. It was just like, maybe I can present this information and people will find it helpful. So that was the creation of the original bullet journal dot com, which focused primarily on showing people, I would say like the upper layer of what the bullet journal is, which very much focuses on productivity. But to me, the bullet journal method has two different components. There's the system, which is what people are familiar with, and then the practice. And the practice is significantly more personal, um, I guess, on a more existential level. Right. On the one hand, the system addresses the what, the things we need to do, our responsibilities, and shows people different ways in which they can organize their thought. The practice is much more about figuring out what is meaningful to us, what do we believe in, what adds value to our lives. And I feel like, to me, over the years, that's become significantly more important than just the system. But when you combine the two, that's really what makes has made a huge impact in my life. So this book is my effort to A, be able to teach people what the bullet journal system is, you know, for those who don't know, but also to deepen the practice for people who are very familiar with the bullet journal to show people what else it can mean. So it's just my attempt to share with my community other tools that I find have been very impactful, but they're not necessarily productivity related, if that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. Now, what what I was going to dive into a little bit more is that that philosophical component and the mindset stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I know when people are adopting, you know, new tools and you've got the component, which I love and we're going to get to about the deepening of the practice. But there's those people that are always looking for the hot new productivity tool or they're or they're you know, they're frantic like your friend was, and they're like, I need some kind of system. And uh, now there, I mean, there are plenty to choose from. There's no question. Um, but one thing that I think the bullet journal brings to light, like you said, is that personal component, the framework. The framework seems to be fairly, um, and, and why I want to put this out there is that a lot of people, when they first read about the bullet journal, or any system for that matter, they they feel like the system is, um, rigid, you know, like this is the way it's been done. This is the way the author meant it to be. Therefore, this is the way if you don't do it all this way, then you're not doing it right. And, and, and I think that's very much a um, bias that someone brings to the table. Can we, can you dispel some of that? Like how maybe, and I know you give examples in the book of, of, you know, how people have, um, modified or quote hacked bullet journaling, because I think mm -hmm. that if you were to look at bullet journaling on its face, a lot of people would go, whoa, 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 that seems like a lot, right? Like, how do yeah. I, so maybe, maybe unpack that a little bit. Could you? Sure. So I think the, the system part of the bullet journal method was designed for the way that I thought when I was a kid, right? And 
the way I used to capture information wasn't necessarily just with words. Sometimes it'd be words, sometimes it'd be images, sometimes it'd be a combination of the two. And the way that I was able to make that work is by designing a modular framework, essentially. So it could, I could throw anything at the book and it would still keep it organized. And when I was figuring out a way to teach it to people, essentially what I would say is it's like, here is the foundation. Here are like the very basic components. Like if you think of the system as a Lego set, each piece serves a very specific purpose and you can snap them together any way you like. And I show people how they can actually design their own pieces. So the bullet journal becomes whatever its user needs it to be. And for some people, it becomes very artistic. For some people, it's like partially minimal, you know, and then figuring out what you need the bullet journal to be is part of the practice. So it's, it's, I present, if you will, just a foundation, which all the pieces plug into essentially. And even that foundation can be changed depending on people's needs. So it's designed to be very flexible. And I feel like that's what's allowed it to adapt to so many different use cases. And I would imagine is part of why it's become so popular. Why do you think papers made such a big comeback in today's day and age? I mean, I've, I'm a guy who uses a hybrid. So I've got paper for um, immediate capture. Like, you know, I want to make sure that, or, or to, but I also use it to bring things out of my digital tools to the forefront. So, because I mean, there's just so much. Um, I think that's part of it is that there's just so much to do that paper seems to be this way of disconnecting from the, you know, all of the noise and better connecting with, you know, your intentions. Um, it seems, have you ever, first off, A, why do you think that, that, you know, paper and specifically maybe even the bullet journal has taken off? Because I mean, it, it, you see it everywhere. Um, it was actually funny. I was at a conference recently and we were doing keyword research for YouTube and productivity and bullet journal came up as one of the highest value terms possible. So keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> <Good to know. laughs> but, the, but the other thing is, is, um, you know, and, and second, secondarily to that. So the, the idea of why paper has become such a, uh, had a bit of a renaissance and, and bullet journaling has had such a, a you know, a popular, uh, popularity. Uh, uh, had such a, you know, it's been so popular. But then also, are you, do you use digital tools at all? Do you still find that there's some that, you, some use cases for you to use, say, digital uh, task list management tools at all? Or um, is that kind of something that you've thrown by the wayside or find something else, some other way to kind of let those things incubate? And I know the Bullet Journal allows for that because, uh, you know, everything is kind of self-contained inside of, inside of the, the journal. Okay, there, there, there are a lot of different questions. Two, two questions, two big ones there. Uh, unpack them backwards. Sure. Yeah, so people always ask me digital or analog, and my answer is always the same, which is like, it doesn't matter. They're right. both tools, and you should evaluate them based on how productive they make you. Um, so in my own life, I'm a total hybrid. Like, I don't care if it's digital or analog. What I care about is how effective it makes me. And that's, that's something I try to be very mindful of because I, I, I love this stuff, right? And I'll try out all sorts of, I'm an early adopter of most things. And I'll just, you know, that promise can be, that promise can overwhelm your reason, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. You can be like, oh, this is going to enable me to do all sorts of stuff. But over the years, I've kind of taken a step back and 
I don't just apply tools for the sake of applying the newest thing. I really try to search out tools that solve a very specific challenge. You know, I feel like a lot of the software that's being created solve problems that we didn't even know we had, which in some applications is great. But in a lot of applications, I feel it's like, you know, you you're buying the car before you know how to drive or you don't even need to drive that kind of thing. So I feel, so that leads me into the second part of the answer, which is not that long ago, technology specifically, these kind of technologies were a real novelty, right? When, if you were skilled and adept at using these tools, it instantaneously put you ahead of the pack, right? Like, oh, that guy knows how to do this thing or she knows how to program or all this stuff. Like all of a sudden that was an edge, but like now technology is a real requirement and our fluency is required, right? Everybody has to know how to email. Everybody has to know all these, these applications. So I feel like technology has become much more of a utility, right? If you don't know how to use it, then you're in real trouble. Whereas before it was a different relationship. And the thing is that people are realizing that all this technology is not making them more productive or it's making them hyper productive towards things that end up not mattering very much. Right. Because you you get so caught up in the making of something that you forget to ask yourself a really important question, which is, does it matter? Right. It's like, yeah, you you got it done in half the time and it it doesn't matter. And And I think that it's not necessarily about handwriting or paper or anything. I feel like there just needs to be an alternative. I think that a lot of times that we mistake um, convenience for efficiency. Right. Right. It's like, it's much easier to do all this stuff in the beginning, but it's, it's like doing something incredibly efficiently that doesn't need to be done at all is all still a waste of time. So I feel that, the resurgence of the analog is a response to people realizing that yes, they can get a lot of things done, but it's starting, but they're starting to realize that it's not bringing them any closer to where they want to be. If they know what that is in the first place. I think another thing about the proliferation of technologies that we're just saturated by other people's opinions and other people's values, you know, like, that's that's pretty much what Instagram is. It's mm-hmm. it's just it's a feed of values that people project about themselves. I mean, you know, most of it's artificial. You don't see a lot of people taking a picture of themselves when they're feeling really bad or looking bad or like you know at a train station when it's raining. You know, it's it's they always project what is in their opinion a high point, something that they can be proud of or something, which is fine, but like. If you don't see the in-between, like all of a sudden, those start to become the architecture of our own value system. Right. This is what it means to be happy. This is what I need. Check, check, check. House, beach, Bali, whatever it is that you feel will be your ticket. And I feel like we get lost in that. Like those are other people's lives. And even for them, you know, those, those aren't realities. And I feel like when we spend too much time and kind of like this artificial and like truly virtual reality, right? It's, 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 this is the, this is a construct. We lose touch with ourselves. Like, do you know that that will make you happy? Is that a value that you have, you know? And, and a lot of times it's not, 
So we're like caught up in technology and working towards these things that we're told are important to us. And then we get there and all of a sudden we find ourselves like incredibly disappointed. And I feel like that's because we don't take the time to start to define what matters on our own terms, you know, like cultivating our own curiosity. And those are things that are, seem subtle, but are incredibly important. And I feel that it's very hard to do that kind of work when you're constantly online. You know, it, it, one of the things that I've, I've followed is uh, there's this book called In Praise of Slow, or depending on where you live, In Praise of Slowness by, Slowness by Carl Honoré. And he talks about the idea of slowing down. Because when you slow down, then you actually, um, and I've said this before, speed the right things up so you can slow the right things down. Um, I think that one of the things that, you're, you know, that you're, you've addressed there, which I think is is a cause to the effect of, hey, you know, everyone is just so busy doing comparison shopping on social media about what other people's lives are like and how that, and it was funny to actually, a sidebar is my wife and I were in Las Vegas. We did a short little three-day getaway. And to give people some perspective on optics, because that's another big thing. Um, and, and man, we could go for hours on this kind of stuff. <laughs> is, is my wife and I were at this this casino and the pool, you know, if you ever go to Vegas, um, the pools tend to shut down a little bit earlier because they want people in the casinos. And in this one hotel, the, the pool shut down at 6 p.m. And my wife was kind of bummed because we don't gamble and we just wanted to hang out at the pool. And being from Canada, it was, you know, nice in November to be able to, you know, lay outside in, in your bathing suit and just chill. And uh, I think I was even reading like, a book, uh, you know, I was like, I was into the book and they're like, we're shutting things down. And I watched this parade of young women come in who were dressed, um, very, very much like they were, uh, you know, ready for a pool party. And the reason they came in that late was they were, and they didn't get to the pool. They didn't do anything except take photos. And they were taking very deliberately, which I can appreciate being very deliberate, being very focused, very deliberate photos while there was nobody left at the pool because everyone was being, you know, escorted and shooed away. And they came in with five minutes to spare so they could get these quote glamour shots, I guess, or these selfies or whatever you want to call them uh, so that they could appear that they were at their pool or their friend's, you know, lifestyle pool so that they could be showing off this amazing lifestyle that they had. But really, it was almost like they were showing up for a photo shoot that was predetermined and set. And it wasn't like there was lighting or anything. It was literally, my wife and I were just fascinated by this. Not, not because we didn't think it was going on, but because we were validated that it actually was. <laughs> and I think that that's what you have. To, I mean, I just came from, like I said, I just came from a conference where we talked about like the keyword thing. And one of the things that came up, and uh, this leads to my next question, is this idea that, you know, one thing is comparison, right? Like, hey, you're, uh, you know, your system is better than my system or your life is better than my life. I want that life. But one thing that kept coming up other than don't compare yourself to others was the thing that I don't th think gets um, kind of uh, spotlighted off enough. We often hear like show up, be consistent, right? If you wanted, you know, you want to hit those, you know, those high watermarks, those longer term goals, those things that do really matter, you got to show up and be consistent. But I think the thing that that gets lost in that translation is patience. And, and one of the things that I think happens when you put things in front of you written down, uh, you know, you get that landscape view of, of everything you get, you know, you're, you're consistently writing things down. You're using the index and whether you're using bullet journaling or anything else is you get a better sense. Again, the optics of, wow, I have a lot going on. I have these other bigger plans. 
I need to be more realistic about when these will come to life or or the steps I need to take to bring these to life. And it's not a, I can get this done in a week because I've got 40 other things. It's, this may take 40 weeks because I've got all these other things. How, uh, to sidebar, how how much um, do you find that having your framework or a framework in place helps you with the idea of being more patient with those bigger things, the, the the work, the deeper work that you put together. And I mean, look at, I mean, bullet journal, bullet journaling kind of took off, right? Like it wasn't like this is, I mean, yes, it's been behind the scenes for many years, but over the last couple of years is when it, you know, skyrocketed because you shared it with the, with the world and the world said, thank you, Ryder. We appreciate this. <laughs> right. But there's so many people that put things out in the world or they are building something and it takes much longer than they are. They think, even though it probably shouldn't take, even though they, even though it really does take that long. So can you speak to patients and maybe how, um, you know, how you treat patients and maybe how, um, you know, having your framework has helped you with patients if it has? Yeah. Well, I know it's, it's it's big, it's a big question. It's a a big question. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to I'm going to try to compile my response in real time here, but I feel like patients kind of, in order to be patient, you have to have had set an expectation, right? Like patience implies that you're waiting for something to happen. And I feel like with bullet journal in general, like I never had an expectation. So, the only thing I know is that I love working on it. That's it. So, so, pa- I don't so really... patience is a byproduct in some respects. In this case, it's a byproduct. And I feel like everything that I've tried to do as I've gotten older, you know, like as I've gotten older, I've worked on plenty of startups, four startups, launched some of my own. And like the reoccurring theme always is like the less I care about something, the more patience I require or the more palpable patience becomes. You're just you know, you really want this thing to be done or you really this and that. And I feel like a lot of that's because you want to move on, right? Like the expectation is I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to make whatever the money or I'm going to be famous or like whatever it is. And you can't wait for that. So you're, you're just focusing on your expectation. And meanwhile, (laughs) if the thing you're working on doesn't really matter to you, or if like, it's really secondary, then you know, that's a problem. And I've been guilty of this plenty of times. I, I spent two years working night and day towards another company that I launched. And like the day it launched, the thing that I've been so patiently awaiting, I was like, I don't care. Like, I just don't care anymore. And that's like a very strange thing to have happened. You know, the, everything worked, you know, we were in the black, start up my own business, all this stuff, and it just didn't matter. So in terms of patience, I feel like yeah, obviously you need patience for the things you love as well. But I think if you start off by a, the expectation is that you need to find something that you love, that something that you're really excited about. It does not need to make you happy. I think that's also a big mistake. It's something that you believe in, right? That's, that's what you should be. I think that is the expectation is like, is this meaningful to me? And if it is, and you work on it, and I feel like happiness is a byproduct of that and all these things, but you can be more patient because you have the purpose and the meaning that you have will fortify you against the thing that I feel is 
the most lethal adversary for any endeavor, and that is time, right? Everything, everything succumbs to time, including our will, right? And the only way that we're going to be able to sustain our will is to really believe in something. Will it sustain us indefinitely? No. Will definitely, in my experience, it will sustain us significantly longer than waiting for our reward at the other side, right? It's like, by doing it, you're already like meeting your expectation. Like I love doing this or I care about this. Like I don't need much else, you know, and then granted that this, this is a generalization, you know, if you need to feed yourself and your thinking isn't working out, that's very frustrating. Right. So you don't need to put, you don't need to put yourself into that position. But I think that, that, and, and, you know, from, from my vantage point, I think, uh, like, so for example, I mean, I've been doing this for a decade now and the, the larger aspect of crafting time is what I love doing. It's I find meaning and purpose in it. Now there's little things inside of that, that I may mm. push really forward. Right. You know what I mean? So I think it's a large, right. you know what I mean? And I think, what what this leads me to is asking you, and this is going to sound really like, did you care about bullet, the bullet journal when it came out? Like speaking of what we like, you cared about it, but not to the degree that. Um, and I'm, I'm obviously, you know, kind of throwing you a softball here. <laughs> but, but, but did you? You didn't clearly care about it to the point like this is going to be the thing. It was just it. It was it just happened to be the thing. Now, is it the thing, or is it just one of the things for you now? Because I mean, yeah, you've, I mean, you've built this this community um, that I don't think. I mean, I don't think you came into this going. I'm going to start this you know, I've got this method, it's going to become my, my business, I'm going to build a companion app to go with it, I've got a book, uh, you know, there's other things on the horizon. I mean, you said you've, I mean, this was not your trade, and now it's kind of become the thing in some right. respects, right? So can you unpack that a little bit? Sure. Um, I did care. So that's the important thing. Like, I cared. The difference is I didn't have an expectation. I cared about making this thing because I thought it could help others. But that was it. I didn't expect it to do anything. If it had been 10 people, that's fine. You know, I was in a really privileged position of already having a very satisfying career. Like Bullet Journal was a side project, right? I just, I did it because I thought it would be useful. And that's really, as a designer, that's kind of my focus for everything. Like be useful, create things that are useful. And so I cared about it. I mean, I, I cared about it because for me, this thing, you know, people forget I use this. It's not like I, 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 I built it and then I kind of like pushed it out to sea. Like I use it all the time. So I deeply care about it because it's added value to my life. And that's why I shared it. Now, fast forward, that care that I had was also in its infancy, I guess you would say, right? Like I cared about it because it helped me. Over the years, though, I care. My care has has evolved significantly as I've seen how the methodology has helped others in profound ways. It's it's deepened. Then it's deepened. Yeah. It's thank you. Yeah. It's it, it, my care for it has has become significantly richer and more complicated, and it, to a point where it became an absolute passion of mine. Right. Like if. If I can help other people through this, then I want to dedicate as much time as possible to it. And eventually, I was able to make that change where I gave up an incredibly promising career to focus on this. And to answer your question, would I do other things? 
I imagine I will, but I don't have any ambitions other than to see where this goes for the time being and making this as helpful as possible to as many people as possible. Like that's what I care about right now. So it's funny. It comes back to expectations. You, you, you will probably go try other things, but you have no expectations to do so at this point. So therefore the next thing could very well be something else that shows up and you're like, Oh, now this is the thing. It's just funny because when I, when I said clearly, I knew, I know you care about this. Um, But the, the, the funny part is, is that, it's often I find it's really strange because, uh, you know, I think that when you care about something and the the care is altruistic or it's not motivated by, oh, this is the business idea. It's more sometimes obviously it's the business idea. But I find a lot of the people I've talked to said, you know, I I I, I had this idea and it was just something I did or it was something that I thought of one night and I just built this thing and all of a sudden it took off. Um, the, when you have lesser expectations or lowered expectations or no expectations and the thing takes off, it's, it's, um, I find that for me, at least it's almost like the, Oh, okay. This is the lane I'm supposed to be in right now because this is what people need. Or this is what, this is what I can, like you said, you want to create things that are useful. It's like, this is clearly useful. I didn't expect it to be this useful, but clearly this is the thing that's useful. Um, let me, let me drive in this lane for, for a while and, and, and see where this goes. And it's, it's just the, I have to say that kudos to you for, for, I mean, you've built this, 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 uh, this following, this community, um, which, how big is the community now? Like, I mean, obviously you, you, you've got your own community, but it's, it's like, how, how, how vast is this community at this point? It's a very hard question to answer. I mean, the, the, it's all over the place, it's, right? It's all over the place. And each, each channel, if you will, for lack of a better, has its own sub community. So on right. Facebook, there are groups that have you know, cumulatively easily hundreds of thousands of members, but then there'll be like bullet journalists for, I don't know, Ikebana or something, you know, like mm-hmm. so, so focused and so niche that like, and they will be somewhere else and I won't know about that. But overall it's the diversity is really staggering and incredibly uh, motivating and inspiring at the same time. It's like, I had no idea that this is what this would look like. None. You know, and I keep learning from them too. It's like, oh, of course you can do it like that. It just totally didn't occur to me. Well, because you're so close to it, right? Like, I mean, it's so personal that you don't, you sometimes people can unpack that and they, and you go, oh, geez, you're right. Like, um, I want to ask you a couple more questions before we wrap up. Um, You seem, every time we've talked, you're very soft spoken, um, very articulate. Um, you seem almost like you're, uh, and again, uh, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You seem like, that you're somewhat introverted, right? Like you're, you know, is that, is that you? And secondly, um, if you are that, so if it's not, then this will negate question B, uh, how <laughs> overwhelming has this been for you in terms of being the quote leader of this, let's air quotes, you can't see it, movement. <laughs> <laughs> the, I guess the short answer is, Yes, and very. <laughs> <laughs> Bullet points. I love that. But it's it's it, you uh, again. How do you how do you cope with that? Because I mean, obviously, there you it, it, you you created this thing, and luckily, the community, like you said, it's it's taken off and, and taken on a life of its own. So there's almost uh uh, uh oh gosh, there's almost like these 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 uh, ardent followers that of the of the method that they're more 
you know, extroverted. So they're the ones that can lend and you can kind of not step back, but you don't feel as love. Oh my gosh, the deluge of, of people coming at me with this stuff. How, like, so is, is that that's tapered a bit or how, like, how does that all work for you at this point? Seeing that people go, Oh, Ryder Carroll, he created the bullet journal. He must know how to do all this stuff. Therefore X. I guess I just try to keep focused on what the current project is that I'm working on. Right. Right. Like I, 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 I don't really overthink the size because it's, it's, it's really staggering how many people are familiar with this and, you know, how many people know that I'm actually related to it is a different number altogether. So it's, it's not like every bullet journalist knows about me, which is fine. Which is probably, but, um, probably good. I mean, cause then it, then it lives beyond you anyway. Right. 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 Which is always the goal. Uh, but I just kind of focus at the task at hand and keep my head down. That's how I don't like, that's how it becomes less overwhelming. You know, I, I do my best to answer the questions that I can and I direct people towards better resources if I know about them. Right. Like I'm never going to be a mother. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm not going to, you know, there, there are these people who use the bullet journal because in a very mature way, because of who they are and who their experience is, and they can help people where I may not be able to. So I try to direct people where I can in that case. Otherwise, I just try to answer questions. And that's really what this book is all about, is trying to answer a lot of the more existential questions that I've been getting over the last couple of years, right? Like the questions used to be very technical, like how do I deal with recurring tasks and how do I this and that? But then later on, these questions became much deeper and heavier and much more existential. And there were a lot of similar questions. So I figured it was time to share like my thoughts on dealing with a lot of these challenges that we all face. And that's kind of what I've been focusing on as much as possible. And what's also incredibly lovely is that I have the community to like, I, they can help me as well. You know, it's not just about me giving it to them. That's really what the first time I've been part of a larger community. So when I was writing this book, I'm like, you tell me how it's helped you, you know, maybe I can share those stories for other people so that they can find value in it. Right. Um, so I tried to be as inclusive as possible in the process of writing this book and people just share these tremendous stories. You know, I focus on that. Like when I ever get overwhelmed, I just try to focus on the impact and that helps a lot. So, Ryder, this is um, when anyone who has spent time in the time management space or anything like that or being more productive or they want their seminal work to be like David Allen's got getting things done. Sure, he's written other books. Stephen Covey's got, you know, the um, the seven habits of highly successful people. That's his kind of, you know, magnum opus. You've got yours here with this book like this, this book, like you said, like we were talking about this book will um help people beyond the 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 tactical right beyond the or the technical rather beyond the hey here's how you do it 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 really is a a a great um uh, uh overall uh it gives you the overall spectrum of the bullet journal method not just the how but the why the what um you know all that stuff built into this and uh I'm really, really psyched that this is this this book is out there now because now this this 
for lack of a better, maybe completes the circle in a lot of ways, right? Where people can go, okay, you know what? They'll get the book first and then they'll start as opposed, because you kind of did it the other way where a lot of people like the method, the the book comes out, then the method gets shown. That's kind of what happened with David Allen, right? The internet showed up later and he said, oh, well, here, here's GTD. This is how, you know, the book that I wrote well before anyone looked at the internet, here it is. Whereas you, you were, you, you were inverse. It's like it happened on the internet, it took off and now you've got this beautiful book, which not only is beautiful on the inside, but the outside just looks, it's, it's one that you can see on your shelf. Like I love getting physical books and, um, this has just been great. So uh, it's called the bullet journal method, track the past, order the present, design the future. I love being my, making my podcast timeless. This book is timeless. So thank you so much for putting it together. And thanks for taking time to talk to me today. Thank you for your kind words and for having me. Where else can people uh, learn more about uh, you and the, the bullet journal method? Um, bulletjournal.com at bullet journal and most social channels. That's the, that will be a good start. Thanks for joining me today, Ryder. It's been a real, real pleasure to talk to you again. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to Ryder for joining me on the show this week. You can read more about what we talked about and get all the relevant links at our podcast page. You can find that at productivityist.transistor.fm slash 213. And of course, I've, you know, I'll, I'll share that on social as well. But if you want to get it right now, productivityist.transistor.fm slash 213, that's where all the show notes are for this episode. Uh, If you want to subscribe to the show, I'd love it if you do that because there's lots of great guests coming up and you don't want to miss a single episode. But if you got a lot of value out of this episode on its own, I'd love it if you shared this episode with a friend, someone who maybe is trying to get into the bullet journal method or has never heard of it, or you know that they need a framework. This is a great episode to get started. And if you like this episode, I'd love it if you gave the podcast a rating and or a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to podcasts, because we want to make the show better. We want to hear from you. So thanks so much for joining me this week on the Productivities Podcast. Thanks to John Polster for producing the show. He does that each and every week. Thanks to you for listening. And thanks to all my patrons who are helping make this show better each and every week as well. You can, of course, learn more about that by going to productivityist.com slash membership if you want to support the show in another fashion besides ratings or reviews or subscribing. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Mike Barty, the host of the Productivity Podcast, reminding you, stop guessing and start going.